Hello everyone, welcome to Reading by Flashlight. I'm Allison, and this is my book podcast. In this episode, we're going to be going over chapters 31 through 35 of Around the World in 80 Days, which is written by Jules Verne. If you've liked this book so far and you are really interested in it, maybe the author, the writing, the kind of adventures that happen, make sure to check out 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, which is also written by Jules Verne, and Daughter of the Deep, which is inspired by 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, which Rick Riordan wrote a while ago, and I did the season on it very close to when the book actually came out. So make sure to check those out. And also, if you don't really know what's going on, in this episode, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the previous episodes of this season, just so you can see what's kind of led up to this point and what's happening so far. So without further ado, let's get into chapter 31. So chapter 31 is titled, Fix Lends a Helping Hand. So Phileas is like, where's the train? Because at this point, the train is long gone. And I would have said, they're gone. And she just sobs and sobs. And so he's saying, Phileas is saying, when is the next train going to pass through? But there's, uh, but Awuda says, not until this evening. So Fogg was already 20 hours behind schedule, and he had to reach New York by 9 o'clock in the evening on December 11th in order to catch the steamer for Liverpool. So he's saying, if you're really in such a great hurry, perhaps I can help you regain some time. And this was Fix who said that, who, at Fogg's request, had stayed to take care of Awuda at the station. So he's saying, well, what do you have in mind? He says, well, there's an American named Mudge who has a sledge here, a sledge with sails. He can drive us to Omaha. There it will be easy for us to catch a train to New York. So the sledge was designed to carry passengers from one station to another when heavy snow was blocking the train tracks and the strong winds were able to carry a sledge at a speed as fast as that of the actual train. So at eight o'clock, the sledge was ready to start. The passengers were wrapping themselves in warm blankets and cloaks and the two great sails were hoisted and the wind pushed the vehicle over the snow-covered prairie at a speed of around 40 miles an hour. And the distance from Fort Kearney to Omaha was about 200 miles. So with luck, it could be covered in around five hours. So Mudge, who was the driver of this sledge, he had, it was in his interest too, to reach Omaha on time because Phileas had promised him a generous reward, as could be expected. So the sledge was aided by strong winds, which really helped, but it the passengers were really cold. They were chilled to the bones. And you could hear prairie wolves howling at the back of the vehicle, and Passepartout had his gun ready to shoot them, if necessary. So Mudge reached Omaha at noon, and so Fogg paid him and went directly to the railroad station, and a train took Fogg and his party to Chicago, where another train was waiting to make the 900-mile trip to New York. So at 11.45 on December 11th, Fogg, Passepartout, Awuda, and Fix arrived at New York Harbor, but however, the China, which was one of the fastest steamers on the New York to Liverpool run, had sailed 45 minutes before. So they were 45 minutes late. Chapter 32 is titled, Phileas Fogg Turns Pirate. So everyone thought that this was going to be a big blow to Phileas, but he seemed as calm as ever. So they hired a carriage to take them to a hotel where they could sleep and be ready to leave. So the next day was December 12th. It was just nine days before he was scheduled to return to the reform club. So this man's entire fortune is going to be decided in these next nine days. So he told Awuda and Passepartout that they, were, they needed to be ready to leave at any moment because he was going to go find a ship that was ready to sail. So he finds one and he greets the man. He says, I'm Phileas Fogg of London. And so the man says, my name's Andrew Speedy, the captain of the Henrietta. 
So he says, are you going to see? And he says, yes, in about an hour. So Philia says, does your ship travel fast? And he said, her speed is 11 or 12 knots. So then Phileas is saying, well, that's really good. Will you take me and three other people to Liverpool? And he says, no, I'm going to France. Besides, I never carry passengers. They get in my way. And he's like, will money make a difference to you? Because obviously, Fogg is always willing to reward generously to those who perform favors for him. And so he's like, money means nothing to me. And so he said, if you won't take me along, let me buy the Henrietta from you. He says, no. And so he says, will you take me to where you're going then? He says, no, not even if you pay me $200. And he said, I will pay you 2000 And he said, a piece? There are four crew members here. And he said, okay, I'll do it a piece. And so Captain Speedy, he says, all right, I'll sail promptly at 9 o'clock. And so Fogg says, we'll be ready. It was already 8.30 at this point. So Phileas Fogg gathered up his party and brought them to the Henrietta. And Fix's heart sank when he learned what the cost of the trip was. Because Fogg would have no money left to return to the bank when he was arrested. And he says that because he thinks this is stolen money. Chapter 33 is titled, Detective Fix Springs His Trap. So by this time, Henrietta has sailed into the Atlantic Ocean and Phileas Fogg was in charge. He had bribed the crew to lock Captain Speedy in his cabin and then change the ship's course to Liverpool. So there was 3,000 miles between America and England. And if the weather remained good, the ocean crossing would be easy and they would get there by December 21st. The engineer, however, informed Captain Fogg that there wasn't enough fuel for them to reach England. So he said, feed all the fires until the coal is gone. So within minutes, the Henrietta smokestacks in a great clouds of steam. And it was on to- uh, December 18th, however, it became clear that their coal would be gone by nightfall. So Phileas says, bring Captain Speedy to the deck. And so the captain is saying, where are we? So Fogg is saying, we are 707 miles from Liverpool. And so Captain Speedy is saying, you're indeed a pirate. But Fogg is saying, I've sent for you, sir, to ask you to sell me your ship. He says, no, never. He says, but I shall have to burn her, at least her upper part. The coal has run out. He said, burn my ship. He said, the Henrietta is worth $50,000. And so he said, here is $60,000. You see, if I don't reach London by 8.45 p.m. on December 21st, I shall lose 20,000 pounds. I missed the steamer at New York, and you refuse to take me to Liverpool. And so the captain was saying, well, I made a wise decision, for you have paid me handsomely for my ship. So Phileas Fogg, obviously now that he the ship is his, he ordered all the wooden parts of the Henrietta to be burned. So the crew tore apart the ship down to its flat metal hull. So on December 20th, with the fire still burning, Fogg sighted the coast of Ireland. By evening, however, the steam pressure, which had been kept up by the burning wood, was about to give out completely. So Mr. Fogg had less than 24 hours to reach London. And he said, we're going to have to dock at Queenstown. This was an Irish port where steamers brought the mails. And the mail was carried from the ships to the capital of Ireland by express change. And then they were sent to Liverpool by the fastest boats available. So by taking the same route as the mails, Fogg was be able to gain 12 hours over the Atlantic steamers and getting to London. So at 1 o'clock in the morning, the whole of the Henrietta docked at Queenstown. So Fogg and his party boarded the express train at once, and it left the station at 1.30 and arrived in Dublin at sunrise. Then the travelers caught a steamer, and on December 21st, at 11.40, they sailed into Liverpool. So Phileas Fogg was now only six hours away from London by train. Then suddenly, Fix pulled the warrant from his pocket. He walked up to Mr. Fogg and declared, I arrest you in the name of the Queen of England. Dun, dun, dun! Chapter 34, and it is titled, Back to London at Last. So, Phileas Fogg is in prison. Passepartout would have strangled Fix had not some policemen held him back. 
he also probably would have blown his own brains out had his revolver been handy. So he's saying, why didn't I tell my master what Fix was really up to? He was blaming himself for the mess because he had cost Phileas Fogg 20,000 pounds. So Fogg was sitting quietly in the jailhouse, and as usual, he was displaying no emotions. He still had almost nine hours to reach London, and the journey took only six. So he laid his watch on the table and watched its hands move ever closer to the fateful hour of 8.45. So if he thought of escaping, he soon gave up the idea. The door was locked and the windows were heavily barred. And after walking around the room, he sat down and took his diary out of his pocket. And on the page for December 21st, he wrote, Liverpool, 80th day, 11.40 a.m. So the clock in the jail struck 1 o'clock and Fogg noticed that his watch was two hours fast. So at 2.33, Passepartout, Aouda, and Detective Fix rushed into the room. Fix was out of breath, and his clothes and hair were in disarray. He says, Sir, sir, forgive me. The bank robber was arrested three days ago. You just looked a lot like him. Now you're free. So Phileas Fogg walks up to Fix, and with a powerful blow of his arms, knocks him flat on the floor. Yes. Thank you. So they all leave the jailhouse, they call a taxi, and sped toward the railroad station. So it's 2.40 at this point. The express train for London has left 35 minutes ago. Phileas Fogg ordered a special train, but it wasn't going to be ready until 3 o'clock. And at that hour, Mr. Fogg, having offered the engineer a very generous reward for getting him to London quickly, boarded the train with them, and they were ready to go. So if the tracks had been cleared, they could have made the trip in five and a half hours. There were delays, and it was 8.50 when the train reached London. Phileas Fog was five minutes too late. The wager was lost. Chapter 35, A Sad Homecoming. So Phileas Fogg took his bad luck in stride, but he couldn't help thinking how he had been ruined by a stupid detective after traveling around the globe, overcoming all these problems and braving many dangers. All that remained of the roll of banknotes he had set out were just a few pounds. The rest of his fortune, 20,000 pounds, was at the bank and it had to be ready to be transferred to the gentleman at the reform club. Fogg's trip cost so much money that even winning the bet would not have made him rich. And Awuda was given a room in Mr. Fogg's large house. So Passepartout reached his own room, he turned off the gas, which had been burning for 80 days, and the bill from the gas company was waiting in his mailbox. So Phileas Fogg went to bed at midnight, but no one knew whether he slept. The next day, for the first time in memory, he failed to leave home for the reform club at 11.30. In fact, he spent the entire day alone in his room. And then around 7.30, he went downstairs to talk to Aluda. And so he said, forgive me for bringing you to England. When I took you away from India, I was rich, and I thought I could put some of my wealth at your disposal. Then you would have been free and happy, but now I'm ruined. And she says, it is I who should beg for forgiveness, Mr. Fogg. Saving my life delayed you and thus caused you to your ruin. And he says, but no, you would have been killed if you had stayed in India. I had to bring you to a safe place, and I still hope to put what little money I have left to your disposal. And so she says, but what will become of you? She says, I don't need anything. And so Awuda says, maybe your friends could help you out. And he says, I have no friends. Do you have relatives? said i no longer have any relatives and so she says that really is a pity for you to have no one to confide your sorrows in do you want wait do you want both a friend and a relative oh snap how did she say this do you want both a friend and a relative will you have me as your wife 
What happened to this book? This was not. I thought. <laughs> Phileas Fogg's lips trembled and his eyes were bright. And he says, I love you. And then Fogg asked Passepartout to contact Reverend Samuel Wilson at once. Just when you wish to get married. And so he says tomorrow, which is Monday. Oh goodness, what's happening? What's happening? So Passepartout hurries to get to Reverend's house and it was already past eight o'clock. So I didn't expect it to end like that, but that's the end of this episode. Make sure to come back next week, Thursday, for the last few chapters of Around the World in 80 Days by Jules Verne. Make sure to come back next week. Make sure to check out previous seasons or episodes of this season if you haven't checked them out already. And wait till next week to see what happens next. Thank you guys for listening, and I'll see you later.